you like movies that I'm here to say, then this is the show for you, okay? It's called the best movie to a Jimmy Allen tone, so don't touch that dial, turn off your phone. Grab a sweet song, mix of popping corn, from Rosebud to Laughter to Jason Bourne, Meryl Streep to Kirk Russell to Dennis Hopper, and don't forget, y'all, Guys of the Chopper! So, should we just jump into it? Fuck it, let's go. Have you got a drink? Go. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, hello, welcome to the Best Movie 2 pod, the podcast that answers any given question about films. And this week we are saying, what is the best movie to watch from 2023? It's our big review of the year and we've got a returning guest, Ellie Callan. Hi, Ellie. Hello. Can you believe I did that all in one breath? Um, <laughs> I'm getting better and better. How are you doing then? You good? I'm good, yeah. How are you? Good. So since we last had you on, you were kind of one of our very first guests. Uh you've become a, a massive movie journalist, you know, in your, <laughs> your your London mansion with all that journalism money. Yeah, sure. Let's let's tell ourselves that <laughs> the day. No, but hey, do you still love movies? I do, yeah. I think recently, in the last six months. I've like stopped watching television almost. I've become, you know, everyone kind of went through a phase where no one would watch like a two hour film, but they would like happily watch like five hours of the same TV mm. show. Whereas now I feel like the idea of watching a one hour TV show, I'm like, no, but a two and a half hour film, yeah. sure, bring it on. So all, all movies are three hours now. As well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I literally watched Killers of the Flower Moon yesterday and I just, I looked at my phone because I tried, to, when I'm watching a film, I try to put my phone away. And I looked at it thinking, it must be surely three hours. And it was literally like 45 minutes. <laughs> I was like, okay, I, seven hours to go. Well, getting, getting into straight, let's get straight into Killers of the Flower Moon. Because I I hated the Irishman. I really wasn't a big fan of the Irishman. Mm. And then I was worried going into Killers of the Flower Moon. And I loved Killers of the Flower Moon. And I'm wondering if the only difference was I watched the Irishman on my couch where I could play Angry Birds on my phone. Mm. And with Killers, I had to sit there and pay attention in the cinema whilst going to the toilet three times. <laughs> were you were you a killer's a killer's fan? I did enjoy it, yes, but it was obviously too long. But I don't think I see any film that's more than two hours and my first criticism isn't that it was too long. Like I just yeah. don't think there's no film that needs to be more than two hours unless it's Titanic. Everything else has <laughs> to be everything else has to be under two hours in my opinion. What if they made a Titanic two but it was only an hour and forty minutes? Would you be okay with that? It's just about Billy Zane. <laughs> Is it the origin story? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd love that if he's just trawling through it's it's about Billy Zane finding everyone who survived to check oh, yeah, not he Rose. Oh, yeah, because he survives, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. No, that yeah, would be good. Because he's like the smart. Joker, the Titanic Joker. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, yeah, do you know what? I, I would number Killers of the Flower Moon in with uh, this thing that I said is all the all the masters have returned to making mm. films. We had a new Scorsese, we had a new Fincher, we got a new Michael Mann. Uh, we got uh, we got Nolan. Yeah, all we needed was like um, Tarantino to bring one out this year. Yeah, it was really the return of the old white men this year. Yeah, I'm so glad. They, In my I head, I was back on the scene. Yeah, I was just thinking, what were the well Emerald Emerald Fennell? That, that's yeah, female Let, yeah. It was like old white men or like interesting young women coming out with films. There didn't really seem to be any. Anyone else in the middle? Just I, th- I think you just described the London comedy circuit. 
I'll take that. <laughs> well, we let's should we hit through kind of those those big dogs returning? Because mm. uh, you had Scorsese. I'd say that's a win. Uh, yes, you know. Although I struggled to like understand any of the characters and why they were doing anything. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I just um, like Molly's character. I was just I don't know. Maybe it's because we were seeing it from the perspective of like we we knew what was going on behind her back, but it was just quite painful to watch and just be like. Molly's character was weird because when she comes into the film, she's such like a huge spark, and that um, the actress is amazing. And then she spends the second half of the movie just in bed, like dying. Yeah. But then I guess that's a lot of it is it's it's based on a true story. So how far can you veer from that? Yeah, true. I just, I don't understand how she couldn't possibly have, like, any suspicions. It's just, like, everyone in her family was dying. <laughs> and she was just like, I guess some people are, like, after me, and I don't really know why. <laughs> yeah, I guess, well, it, it kind of, it doesn't do anything in black and white in that, because you, you really don't know, like, does DiCaprio love his wife? He says he does. Yeah, but, then... but that's also, you couldn't, even till the very end, I just couldn't tell. I, I found it hard to just like penetrate any of the characters yeah. kind of like motivations or like their inner psychology but I guess that is the point and like you said when you're doing a sort of a real story like I guess Martin Scorsese can only know so far like what was actually going on inside their yeah. heads. Did, did you like the bit at the end where he shows up and, yeah. and tells you what the film was about? I didn't realise he was always in his films uh, Maybe because I watched so many Masters Sadie when I was young, I probably didn't know what he looked like. He was just some other old white man in it. But I didn't realise that was like his thing to like come out in his films and like say a message or something. I don't think he does it in all of them. Like he doesn't show up at the end of Goodfellas and be like, well, actually that lifestyle's bad. <laughs> actually, they were pretty bad fellas. Yeah. <laughs> but that is how you make, uh, how you cut up garlic is do it finely with a razor blade. <laughs> I did, yeah, I thought it was clever, the ending. Uh, and uh, who else we got who's come back? Fincher, Fincher came back with The Killer. Yeah, I haven't actually the killer. watched that yet. <laughs> if would we you... like, skip over that one. <laughs> <laughs> what, would, what I would say is I really like The Killer, but it, it's in line with um, kind of Scorsese in terms of it wasn't uh, all those kind of huge dramatic moments that you'd expect from these directors. They kind of veered away from like the... in. What annoyed me the first time I saw Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, and it does happen with Killers, you you think you're going to get that De Niro versus DiCaprio. Mm. Oh, this is the Oscar yeah. scene. Yeah. This is the, and they give you the opportunity for that when they're both in jail, and you're like, here we go, here it is. And then you remember DiCaprio's playing him like he's an idiot, and De Niro is constantly playing, holding his cards close yeah. to his chest. So there's no need apart from to showboat. To do that. Yeah, there wasn't really any like dramatic speeches or anything, or yeah, yeah. So it's quite a muted year. Um, uh, well, uh, then you got the two other big daddies. You got Nolan and Ridley Scott came back. Yes. Oh yeah, Ridley. Did I like you... Napoleon. Was you know what you were saying about? Because I watched Napoleon in the cinema. And it was the kind of film that I was like, if I was watching it, this at home, I would so just be wanting to go on my phone the whole time. Because I was watching it in the cinema, I did enjoy it. But it is definitely the kind of film if I watched at home, I'd be. So I had, I had moments of Napoleon that I enjoyed, but I, and I thought Vanessa Kirby was great. Yeah, she it. was fantastic. 
But it was weird. I've said this on the pod before because we had my sister on to talk about because we went to the cinema and I had to click at her to make her stop talking. <laughs> and she's still pissed off about that. <laughs> but talking about the cinema. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just thought Ridley Scott didn't like Napoleon and he's kind of set out to make a film about this idiot. Yeah, it was quite mocking. Which is fine, you know. It's you know, I don't have any love for Napoleon, but then it, it didn't. <laughs> such a huge fan before. <laughs> I've actually got my, rid of my Napoleon tattoo now. I'll be honest with you. I do go to. I stay in Elba every year and just raise a glass. To now him. he's finally been cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> but it just didn't ex- explain kind of why is a nation following this guy when yeah. he's just like a weird little randy piggy fella. It was like. There was too much in it, and there was also not enough at the same time. Yeah, either make like a drama about his relationships, or make show us the you know the the battle strategist. Mm. Well, I think he's made like a four hour version that we got on Apple TV, so you have that to look for. Yeah, is, is that a new thing now? Is that because Zack Snyder's just said it, hasn't he? He's like, no, don't worry, Rebel Moon's got a three hour cut, and mm. like, oh, it's like all these streamers just throw so much money at like auteurs and they're like you can make this as like long as you want no matter how painful it's going to be for the people watching it that kind of seems to be there (laughs) yeah i mean i kind of like that though because it looks like the streamers are the last of the auteur big budgeters because the big budgets go to you know i couldn't name the i think it's james one the director of aquaman too you know i they're not everyone else with a huge 300 million dollar budget doesn't isn't like oh we're getting their vision like a lot have been said about the marvels wasn't um i can't remember the name but that's a female director who did Kathleen, uh, Nia Costa. yeah uh there was a lot said about this isn't her final vision i actually like the marvels i thought it was, it was quite fun but all the big budget stuff is going to the streamers now mm. and i guess is that the future do you think well, I think they're probably running out of money, so I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I think that that tap is maybe going to be turned off soon. Um, judging yeah. on all the other things coming in at the moment, you see, Amazon is now going to have adverts as well from January. So yeah, is that just adverts at the start, or is that going to be adverts in the middle? Are they probably just- in the middle. Like I think that's how it is on Netflix. I would. So- I've, I've got the description. <laughs> <laughs> So all the streamers have just basically become what they killed off. Yeah. It's like they've literally destroyed the whole point of like why people turned to streaming in the first place. But yeah, God, I think they're going to, my theory is that they're going to combine. Some of them are going to partner up and I think we won't have as many streamers as we have now in like five years time. I think we'll have three. And yeah. It looks like a lot of people are starting to package up. I mean, a lot of people are buying out each other anyway, aren't they? Like Paramount owns a bunch, I think. Yeah, more than oh, so. Yeah, doesn't Amazon Amazon owns MGM now, so they've got mm-hmm. Bond and I think every time you turn Disney has bought up another um bought up another studio. The the annoying thing with Disney is people kind of I'd say fifty and above don't associate Disney as a corporation that's bought ever and they just think of it as Disney, so it's hard to like it's hard that to tell my parents. Yeah. Like, if you want to watch Die Hard, you can just go on to Disney because they bought Fox. <laughs> That's like uh, when Pretty, you know, Pretty Woman is a Disney film. Yeah, she's a Disney princess. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that TriStar? Is it not TriStar? Um, 
Um, yeah, sorry, we're getting really sidetracked. Well, really excited. Business. Studio logo. Business. <laughs> this is my job. Um, did you? Oh, well, do you know it was good? Uh, I think horror still had a great year. Horror always yes. seems to survive, even when like the industry's in a slump. Are you, are you a big horror fan? I am. I've not. I did see Megan and Cocaine Bear in the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I saw Talk to Me on Halloween, actually. Um, but we had to stop it halfway through to have a cigarette break. Because it was just so scary. Yeah, not me. My housemates were just, did you, have you seen it? Well, you're smoking a cigarette right now. <laughs> uh, I, I absolutely loved Talk to Me. Yeah, it was, it was great. Although... The scene with the dog, I think, was when we just had to, like, <laughs> just take a beat for a moment, let that well, soak in. It did it perfectly because it, it – I, I thought Talk To Me was going to fall into those, like, kind of shitty mid-budget um, – kind of there are 15 over here, but you can tell there are PG-13 in the States. You know, the, mm. the horror films we've been getting the last five years kind of, like, smile and uh, – Truth or dare, you know, though, because yeah. kind of, you know exactly what's going to happen. And it's going to be bland people who look like they should be on like uh, American uh, sitcom or even American like uh, soap. And then it was like, it's this Australian like great relationships and uh, the script was really tight and you, you kind of knew who everyone was and they all had complex relationships with each other. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it kind of had the some of the tropes. Because obviously you had that classic like girl whose mum's died and she's like going <laughs> through trauma, and now the trauma's going to manifest into something. Yeah, you, you get that kind of scream thing of it's been a year. You like, <laughs> you need to get over yeah. your mum. Was that dying. Princess Diaries? You know when the the friend is like to Anne Hathaway. Are you still going on about your dead mum? <laughs> I'm paraphrasing with that. It's like basically, it's been like she's like, it's been three months. Get over your dead mum already. <laughs> it's been three months since your mum cut her throat in front of you. <laughs> you haven't even washed the clothes that you were wearing. Get over it. <laughs> no, I loved. I love talking to me. You had some. Uh, again, it's weird that horror just seems to be able to do it because it's they don't pay big stars. They the money goes into the production. Mm. Um, like and Netflix, I think it's because people in terms of like them still doing well, is people always used to say, you only go to the cinema to watch a horror or a Marvel film now. Whereas I think less so Marvel, but I think horror is still, like people want to, like that's something you want to experience as opposed to just like watching on your phone on like West Midlands yeah. train or something. <laughs> you know? I guess like as a genre, it's still something that we want to do collectively. Because right. even, you know, the... the box office results will tell you that comic books are people have been saying no 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 it's not like westerns they, they'll just stay riding high for years and even the good comic book movies kind of took a a hit this year yeah. because people have lost trust in the genre um but because you can keep doing so much stuff with horror um like did you did you see evil dead rise that was this year i didn't know that i've seen one of the the one before that maybe that was weird because with horror you kind of you get well other genres you have like gatekeepers who are like you can't you can't remake this how dare you remake this and then the remakes or sequels tend to be shit elsewhere you know you, there's that magnificent seven remake that came out with Denzel Washington a few years ago that was like just it, it was okay but whereas with horror it tends to be 
Oh, we, here we go. We're going to hand this off to someone new and we're going to see what you can do with it. And people tend to be a bit more forgiven, like with the Halloween movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. People are like, yeah, let's just see what you can do with it. And Yeah. And also, unlike Marvel, you don't have to watch 17 other horror <laughs> films to get the one horror film you're watching. There's not like a universe of horror films. I think that's what people are getting sick of. It doesn't seem like you could watch one standalone Marvel film anymore. It's like you have to have seen... The yeah, they, 17 films, yeah, the other like four spin off TV shows. They've so, realized now, and it's because everything takes so long to make it. I don't think we'll see this, the reaction to this for like another two years. And I think Marvel's only got Deadpool 3 out next year, but the mm. Marvels that came out this year, everyone who was on the fence was like, well, I haven't seen the two TV shows, the two separate TV shows that you introduced two of the main <laughs> characters in. And I haven't seen like this film or this film. I don't know what's going on. Um, so I'm just not going to show up. And then even when the film kind of did really well to introduce characters who you didn't know, it's they've they've kind of laid a bed for themselves there where they've where it first started out, where you saw the Avengers in 2012 and went, Oh wow, there's like three different films that link this. That's cool. Yeah. And now you're like, fuck, I haven't seen the end credits of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, so I don't know who <laughs> this fucking person is. Yeah, no, I think it's... I mean, I think they've still got quite a few films sort of in the in the back burner, but I think hopefully it finally dies because <laughs> I've not been engaged in it in years, I just think, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, also those budgets that are like kind of jumping and jumping and jumping... There are other films that are showing you don't need to do that. Kind of like your John Wicks and your, I don't know if you've heard of Godzilla Minus One. That's yes, done really, the really Japanese well. Japanese film has done really well, yeah. And, and by the time this goes, so this will be going out uh, on January 1st. So happy New Year to you, Ellie. But yeah, I can't believe last night. Crazy. <laughs> it was, oh my God, you did so much. Oh crack my cocaine. God, I can't like, believe when you did that thing. <laughs> I can't believe you killed a policeman. That was insane. <laughs> He was off duty, Ellie. He only found out afterwards. That was, you can't retroactively ACAB someone. Um, <laughs> no, but I'm I'm going to go see that on New Year's uh, New Year's Eve in the Prince Charles down in London, which is a great uh, that that hasn't made my top films of the year just because I haven't seen it yet. But I'm really excited for that, and I think the budget on that is like 15 million. So you're just getting all these kind of smaller budget films going. We, it doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be yeah. insane. But I think that I think that's true. I think studios and streamers, their like philosophy was like, let's just throw as much money at this thing as possible and see what happens. Now I think it's going to be let's throw as little money as possible yeah. at this thing and hope for the best. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's really going to do a switch. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll see kind of just more interest because it is you know films with lower budgets have that. If you have to sit around the room and go, can we do this? Yeah, we can do it because we've got the money. Oh, that's fine. They don't have to have them creative challenges where something amazing comes off the back of that. Yeah. Well, that's what every Edinburgh show is about, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I haven't got any money. And my (laughs) mum and dad, they never said they loved me, even though they bought me this studio flat. What else happened this year? Oh, well, there was a strike, big old strike. Yeah, two strikes. Did you hear about that? <laughs> no, I think that was only a few days, wasn't it? I don't really remember <laughs> impacting my job in any <laughs> way possible. Uh, yeah. Obviously, me being from Liverpool, I'm, I'm always going to be pro-strike, whether it's just if someone's like, my sandwich is missing, I'd be like, right, down tools. 
shut it down. Fuck this. Um, but would you say that kind of we got a win from that? Was that is that good for the movie industry? I think yes. I think the thing that a lot of people don't realise is that they were fighting for three, like a contract that was going to last three years. Yeah. So they spent like six months fighting something that's only sort of going to be <laughs> around for three years. So we could, who knows what's going to happen in three years' time? We might sort of be right back here where we started. But it sounds like they got pretty much everything they wanted out of it. I think just the knock-on effects, obviously, it affected a lot of like UK crews. I think everyone kind of forgets all the other people that were affected by it that obviously weren't protected by um, unions. So that's going to be, and I think next year we're going to see a big shift in what's coming out in TV shows and films. I think it will be a strange sort of time. Yeah. Cause you're going to get, are the studios just going to dump stuff where they, it would have been spread out. Are we going to see not just like movies losing money because of the strikes, but also, they're going to be competing against each other loads. Uh, the the films that were kind of almost done, and then because of this six month hiatus, mm. we're going to see a kind of an empty chunk of just absolute dog shit that they put out really quickly. Where we yeah. get <laughs> weekend at Bernie's free. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, there's already been quite a few films I think that were meant to come out this year, like Dune Two, that have been pushed back till March or something. So I think. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think feel like all the big blockbusters. I think will still come out next year because obviously they were probably already made. It might be like the year after that. But I think in television, we'll definitely see a big difference because obviously things move so much quicker. So I think there won't be a lot of everyone's favorite TV shows back next yeah. year, which is fine because we don't watch TV. So fuck them. <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> this is <laughs> fuck TV. <laughs> uh, what else did we get? Oh, concert movies look like they're... Mm. You, had, you had Beyonce and Taylor Swift, Tay-Tay, with the Eras tour. Um, and that was actually, like, if we go back to, you know, talking business, Taylor Swift just went around the distributors and went straight to the cinemas and said, I've already filmed this. Should we just fucking do it? Yeah, that's very um, Taylor Swift. <laughs> And it, it's, Taylor's <laughs> yeah, it's kind of depressing because if you think kind of concerts are getting more and more expensive now, like if I wanted to go see Daniel Bedingfield live, it'd probably be pretty pricey. Mm. Uh, but Daniel, I'm, if you're listening, you know. You can <laughs> well, I'm sure Daniel Bedingfield, the <laughs> got to get through this tour, will be coming to a view cinema near you next year. Yeah, Daniel's version. Yeah. <laughs> Just screams down the mic at anyone who puts out music. World, yeah. <laughs> but it, is, do you think that's going to be kind of developed further where we get live concerts more as as cinemas are trying to fill uh, yeah. know, seats? I mean, I feel like that event release has been happening for a while. There was also, I don't think it was this year, maybe it was the year before, that Jodie Comer play. I don't know mm. if you heard about that. I forgot the name's lost me now, but that was like one of the highest grossing event release of all time until Taylor Swift's came along. And obviously that's like a national theatre play where like your average person's not exactly going to spend £90 to go see that in the theatre. So I think it probably will, it'll be a good way for to make that those kind of things accessible mm. again, but also well, yeah, I mean, uh, the cinema's alive. But I am a massive Taylor Swift fan <laughs> and I have tickets to her tour. And so I refuse to see the film because I just thought, 
why would I spoil it for myself? Oh, so you don't but, know about the bit where <laughs> where she slept come from a bathtub. <laughs> Wait, I might be getting that mixed up. She dances naked. Murder on the death floor. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I kind of don't really get it if you, you are going to see the thing live. I was surprised it did so well in the UK because her tour hasn't come to the UK yet. So I was surprised. I mean, I guess a Taylor Swift fan is mm. hysterical. Um, I think I, it also had that, that. It had that element of parents who were like, this will shut my kid up just for a couple of hours. Mm. And it was because it's not a movie movie. I think parents were like, oh, wow, this is a thing we can go to, but I can be on my phone. Like, yeah, no one. And you won't miss the integral plot points yeah <laughs> even though like they probably will miss the fact that we are never getting back together is about harry styles or wait is it about harry it's about, it's about jake gyllenhaal oh yeah that's it because he didn't text on a birthday or something I, I i know taylor okay yeah dude that's yeah she he didn't come to her birthday party and then that's when she wrote another song oh. called the moment i knew is that was, this is not a Taylor Swift fan. Is that because she was 15? <laughs> uh, also worrying was, um, I think, was it Warner Brothers decided just to film movies and then pull them? <laughs> we had, I think, Batgirl and uh, Acme vs. Wiley Coyote. Yeah, but didn't they, they revert? Did they reverse? That so decision? The Wiley Coyote one, they've yeah, they've sold it. They're, well, they're trying to sell it to another studio. Um, um, yeah. But Batgirl was the one. I think that in the long run, that's really going to damage Warner Brothers' reputation. So they they pulled it, even though it was finished, because mm. they like could. A, I think it's like a tax. It's a tax write-off or something. Yeah, they could claim that's, more that's on the tax write-off. You could ask me about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they apparently the film's not very good, but they they realised they could claim more on the tax write-off than what it would make in a profit if they mm. put it out, paid paid people what they were owed. And they had all the advertising that was needed. But it's just quite cynical. Like, it's if you're a director, are you looking at Warner Brothers and going, mm, I'm not sure about you. If, if I make a shit film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a great move. It's quite depressing. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I still think it was a good year for film, but there's a lot of depressing stuff going on there as well. Um, let's, should, we, should we kind of get a bit happier then? Yeah. I'd say something that I was quite cynical going into the year with um, kind of product movies. So you had like Air, Tetris, Blackberry. Now, I've, I've not yeah. seen, lots I haven't of like, seen Tetris, but Air was actually really, really good. Lots of like entrepreneur films, <laughs> shall we say. There was, what was there? The Bean, the, there's a film about the Beanie Babies as well. Is that, <laughs> does that fall the back in the horror? <laughs> Yeah, the, they start making out with each other. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that seems to be a weird trend this year. I have I've seen Blackberry. I did like that. I haven't seen any of the other ones. Well, I guess maybe it's because we're in a in a eat the rich climate. We're also kind of striving for, you know, who are these uh, as you say entrepreneurs who are a little bit more outside the box who aren't you know the elon musk's buying up a social mm -hmm. media platform just because people call them a nonce on it yeah maybe it's part of like a big rebrand for like <laughs> tech billionaires we need to we need to get some like good pr about them so let's introduce all these like fun on underdog stories 
Well, yeah, it's, if you told me at the start of the year, one of your favorite films is going to be about Ben Affleck trying to make a shoe for <laughs> Michael Jordan, I'd be like, wow, I guess it's a bad year for films. We're <laughs> <laughs> really scraping the barrel. Yeah, and also I think uh, something else that happened this year is there was just so many great films that came and went that because the cinema releases are so short now. Mm. Like I've missed loads. I didn't. I I, I missed the Pope's Exorcist. Oh. You know, <laughs> which is a killer to me. Uh, but I, I think they like Poor Things is still out in the cinema, maybe somewhere. And you've got Society of the Snow, but just not Poor Things. I don't think is actually. It's not actually come out in the UK yet. Oh, hasn't it? Oh, that'll be no, why. I mean, it is in my list, but technically, it doesn't come out in the UK. Oh, because you've already seen it. That's because sorry, it's like a film festival. <laughs> So we should we should say that you do get you get early access because you're a you're yeah. a proper, proper journalist in that now, aren't you? Oh uh, yeah. Well, I see I see I see some of them at like festivals and things, but I don't quite get exclusive early access just yet. Have you not had the screener yet where the film is ruined because it's got your name? <laughs> oh, I had on, that you know? once, yeah, but they don't trust me to not put it on a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I'll just write my name on on a DVD and let it bounce around. So it feels like I'm a journalist. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what else? Oh, Mr. Maestro. And uh, I think the Pope's Exorcist was the big one that I've not watched yet, but just when we go into kind of our top films, I wanted to make sure okay. I had that caveat of, I haven't seen these yet. And Maestro and the Pope's Exorcist are quite on par. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that the suggestion there? Yeah, they could be. We don't know. You know, I was I was expecting to really not like Saltburn with everything that I heard about it. Um and then I don't think we talked about Saltburn on we had a little chat before. Well, have you you've just seen it, what was your reaction? We, and you had all the social discourse in your head. Yeah, so I was expecting to hate it. Um because I'd 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 kind of had it ruined for me as well. Uh which was annoying. I had it you know, sometimes people see a film they don't like. So they feel comfortable ruining it for you mm. because they just decided you're not going to like it. <laughs> so the kind of the tw- I won't I won't ruin like the main twists in it, but there's it it veers, it takes some big swings in the last half hour we can say. Yeah, it does kind of feel a bit when I was watching it. I did really enjoy it, but that last sort of forty minutes, I was a bit like, is it over now? <laughs> is it over now? Well, you, is you, it over now? <laughs> you got to see it early on before there were any reviews. Yeah. I think there had been some reviews, but well, I hadn't read too many of them. But yeah, I'm so glad. I think I would have just been easily swayed by the kind of echo chamber. I just would have wanted to fit in with everyone online. So I would have been like, yeah, I hate it too. I hate it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was just really fun. And I think people are obsessed with like what it means, mm. and I just don't think it really needs to mean anything i think everyone has an obsession with everything you watch these days has to have some kind of message or it has to be saying something about society but i just yeah. think emerald fennel just wanted to slurp up some coming about <laughs> 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 like i think she just wanted to make it for like the sake of making it i think the the only issue maybe this is me being approved but there seemed to be a few scenes where it was made just to shock yeah, no, I um, agree. The, the grave scene. Everyone, I don't yeah. think everyone is talking about that bathtub scene and no one is talking about the graveyard. The grave. <laughs> it's like, that. that's fine. 
And what's even weirder is he improv that. He didn't even know he was getting filmed. <laughs> and there's there's a kind of, he, he goes down on someone at one point and she's on a period and he he, he starts messing around with the blood and stuff. And you oh, could yeah. tell. I'm a vampire. Yeah. Definitely. You could tell it was just so Emerald could be like, yeah, this is about class, actually. <laughs> He's eating them up. And like, yeah, but you know, if you're going to do that, go to the shower. Come on, mate. Um, but yeah, apart from those kind of childish, like, ooh, daddy, look at me. Uh, I'm doing these naughty bits. Mm. I thought it was really well acted. It was it was really funny as well. Yeah. Like Ro- Rosamund Pike, I think, gave out all the awards. I thought she was hilarious. Yeah. And I, I liked... Uh, it's weird how such... If you met any of these people in real life, you would absolutely hate them. They're absolutely loathsome. Mm. Um, but they all managed to be, if not likable, at least interested and watchable. You know, some some of the the rich movies, you kind of you get to know them, and you're like, well, I don't I don't want to know about your life now. Just get to the end of it. Someone push your head eat them already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'd still I'd say it was a win. I don't know why so many people kind of gave it poor ratings yeah i think a lot of people had an issue with the fact that emerald fennell i mean the clue is kind of in the name <laughs> comes from quite an upper class background and was obviously trying to make and this film was obviously embedded in a world about class but yeah what's, what's the point of the movie like um oh watch out for poor people <laughs> <laughs> They cover it the whole up. point is that, I mean, I don't know how much we can spoil, but the whole point is that he's not, isn't it? Feel yeah, free okay, to cut that out. We can cut out the spoilers, but... No, what, what I will say is if you uh, if you haven't seen it, jump forward uh, a minute. But that was really interesting that he's not actually poised from like a middle class Yeah. Background. And that's, of all the horror scenes that you've had in cinema this year, like I knew what was coming because some fucker ruined it for me, but I imagine that... That's like the most horrific, surely, as someone you think is your best friend or a close friend has conned you into what their entire backstory is. Mm. Like that plays out like a horror film as well. And I think the last. Yeah, and it's so excruciating when they're at his parents' house and um, Oliver, no, Jacob Elordi's character is still trying to be already like, oh, and talking about the siblings and stuff. It's so cringe to watch. Like I just couldn't. Yeah, it's like you can't look away, but also that's to me that was worse than fucking a grave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, if you if you skip forward, we've we've stopped for there. But I'd, I'd say I like that film. Shall we? So you're you're too nice to have done a bottom three movies this year. Um, you? Well, I've got the sort of like worse slash disappointing are these I my in- instagram it's my instagram <laughs> reels isn't it um, well, yeah, that, that's what i've got i've got kind of disappointing not yeah like didn't match the expectation i had of them i would say yeah go on should we do should we do all of our three at a go so that we're not here for ages do you want to do you want to do your three yeah well i only got to two <laughs> but i said <laughs> i know you haven't seen it but i was so disappointed with maestro oh really yeah and that's because you hate uh, bisexual people. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Famously, <laughs> and, um, and Jewish people. You said that a lot in, <laughs> in your blog. But it was just—it's. I mean, Carrie Mulligan and Bradley Cooper—they are the performances are incredible, and I think they have like a great chemistry. And I think the way it explores that relationship is lovely. 
but I just found it so self-indulgent like it just kind of felt like Bradley Cooper was just trying to be like look what a great director I am <laughs> well this is, this is Bradley Cooper saying give me an Oscar I, yeah I don't, I don't care if it's actor or director get about the hangover <laughs> this is what I will be remembered for well it's, it's I feel like Bradley Cooper's just on a run of trying to forget his early comedic roles oh yeah which is I don't know why because he did that mad one with um that mad one in the carnival, uh, it was Guillermo del Toro one last year, uh, where weirdly people kept calling him boy, and it's like, that's a 50-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it, a Nightmare Alley, that was it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, which and that was it, that was very actory of him, and he, he mm. he's moving towards these, like, no, 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 I am an actor, and I think there's... I'm an auteur, I think yeah. is what Maestro is desperately trying to say. But because his his door into the business was those kind of cheap, not cheap, like they were successful, but they were broad comedies, whereas, you know, Adam yeah. Driver came in via, you know, he shot through TV on girls and everyone, I feel like everyone's going, Adam Driver is the, the big actor now. Mm. And Bradley Cooper's kind of peeping over his shoulder going, no, I am I can act and, and I can direct. Adam Driver didn't direct 65, did he? <laughs> yeah it's just yeah it's not it was just so disappointing and also too long again I think it's like two hours and 20 minutes or something and it just doesn't it just doesn't need to be that long and it felt very you really wish the Carrie Mulligan had died kind of thing yeah (laughs) (laughs) and yeah so I was very disappointed with that but I do I think it probably will I mean the Oscars loves to just pat the back of anyone that wants to portray a real life person so i yeah. think it will still do really well and on the award season but i just found it quite dull to be honest well, uh, well also it's um it's a netflix release which means the it kind of it's success isn't kind of put on the back of box office either yeah and it came out i think the day before or a few days before saltburn which obviously came out on amazon prime so interesting to see like the two the two ends of like what people were watching over christmas the, did you hear about the uh the salt bay and christmas day challenge it looks like this has been a trend where people have gone home for christmas and in families where they have christmas dinner and then oh and then they've got yeah. what a movie i replied <laughs> to like, three separate people on instagram who would put the credits of Saltburn on and I replied to all of them and was just like please don't want this in your family i was like that is my christmas mission to make sure that people don't Oh, I think by is, now everyone knows it's probably not a family-friendly film. This is where we're opposites, because I was telling everyone, like, oh, Saltburn's quite good to just, it's nice little family comedy. <laughs> I'm going to sit down and watch that with Nan. And I kept, I kept seeing people put up, like, just got to the bathtub scene, let's see how this goes. <laughs> but that's like, you know, who doesn't drink a bit of comfort from a bath at Christmas? Uh, what was your other disappointing one this year, then? Um, it's actually not come out yet, but Faux. Okay. If you've heard yeah. about this, it's got Paul Mescal and Sasha Ronan in it. I'm hearing bad things about that. Yeah, and it's sort of set. He Paul Mescal's going to space, and but they're going to leave behind like an AI version of him to keep his wife company, Sasha Ronan. Um, it's quite. Like, I don't know if you ever saw the Black Mirror episode. Yeah, it's like yeah. Basically that. Um, but yeah, you kind of have all of these great 
components. I mean, it's like two of the best actors of their generation, but it's just, again, so boring. Like, it's so bad. Like, they are acting for their lives out there, which is, like, the worst dialogue possible. But, yeah, I wouldn't recommend that when it comes on. I think, it's, I think that's an Amazon film as well, but, yeah, that was just... Does it, end, does it end with him dancing to Queen? <laughs> I say she ran and looked. No, he's running really away. <laughs> Have you seen all the Paul Mescal running away? From yeah. The <laughs> I mean, this that, I'd, I'd heard. I'd already heard because obviously I'm a North London girly. I'd already heard all the stuff about how he takes girls that he slept with on dates the next day to the park but i'm not 100 convinced by this running away thing because i've so heard it, a lot if, about if the... people haven't heard this is oh yeah sorry a, a rumor has come out in social media and we have to say it's a rumor it's not confirmed <laughs> if our 15 listeners we have reached out to paul Meskel's <laughs> team for for a comment he's actually next week's episode is the best movie to ditch a girl in the park too. <laughs> <laughs> um forrest gump was the one just keep running wait apparently He'll, he'll take a girl back, sleep with her, and then he'll take them for a walk in the park, and then when he gets far enough, he just runs away. <laughs> I think assuming they're like the monster in it follows, and they can only follow at like a walking pace. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that was his mentality. But I think the that has been like the best time for social media, I think. just I feel like there was just one day where my entire Twitter feed, sorry, X feed, was just entirely... <laughs> um Paul Meskel running away means but yeah but also it kind of it feels like everyone's forgiven or not even that he needed everyone's like yeah it's Paul Meskel there's there's far worse things to do than take someone for a lovely walk get them ice cream yeah and then be like oh what's that over there (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I'm sure I'd I'd happily do it but so foe foe was a disappointment as well yes and then let me look. You can edit this out. I'm just going to look online. No, absolutely not. There were also was a disappointment. And I, I don't out. think you should be doing a line of cocaine this early in the morning <laughs> when we're filming this. Like, I get that you want to be excited on the pod and you want, you know, people need to hear that energy. Shall I give you my disappointment ones while you look? Yeah. So there's one, it, it had very, very limited or even, if at all, theatrical release. But there was a Pierce Brosnan film called The Outlaws, Uh and the, the cast was insane. It was Pierce Brosnan. Hang on, I've got the cast here. Right, here we go. Adam Devine, Pierce Brosnan, Ellen Barkin. Uh, like, a great cast, um, but it's a Happy Madison, or, ha- do you know, one of Adam oh, Sandler's... Adam Sandler. One of his... That should have been your first clue, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, but then, you know, Ellen Barkin doesn't just show up in any old shape. Mm. Michael Walker as well. Michael Walker doesn't tend to do bad. Like he does fun genre films, but they tend to be good. And it's Pierce Brosnan and Adam Devine. The plot is Adam Devine is uh, he works in a bank and he's he's very cautious and safe about everything. And he's marrying Nina Dobrev. Have you seen the trailer for this? Yes, I do yeah. remember this now. And Pierce, Pierce Brosnan and Ellen Barkin are uh, his fiance's parents, and they're also bank robbers, so they turn up. And it's they, it's one of them where there's a lot of improv going on from people who aren't improvers. Um, and it's shot like an SNL sketch. And I was around at my parents and we were like, oh, we'll throw that on and we'll watch any old show. Like we watched a film about Dennis Quaid landing a plane that was made last year. 
and he landed the plane because God allowed him to. And we still we still watched it like, wow, that was pretty bad. Uh, but this one, we got about 45 minutes in and went, should we just turn it off? Which, like, that's it's such a waste of time and money. Yeah, I really effort. rarely turn off a film. Uh, and it just kind of ruined it. So that was that was my my third worst. My actual my my second most disappointing was Napoleon. I thought again, just such a waste of what could have been great. We'll see what the mm. four hour cut is like. But again, the four hour cut isn't what I saw in the cinema. Yeah, you know, I think I went into that film with very low expectations. Anyway, so I I think I was able to enjoy it enough. Well, it doesn't really appeal to me. Although I did find Joaquin Phoenix quite funny. His yeah, little, I mean, he's what's that noise great. he makes when he wants <laughs> to? He's like, me, 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 <laughs> I thought, that, isn't that the noise that all men make? Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Me, me, me. <laughs> <laughs> I just cry. If Could you see me crying in the corner, like that. that's it's time for six. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the most disappointing for me, uh, because even though he has his ups and downs, I do like Zack Snyder. I think he, you know, people can laugh at him, but he definitely makes the films he wants to make. I don't think you can ever go that, like when Zack Snyder films fail, it's because of him and not because of the studio for me, I think. Like he he makes the films that he wants to make. He's confident. He's a, he's a strong, confident young woman and he's a go-getter. <laughs> <laughs> but that rebel moon that he's just put out, Oh uh, yeah. Have you seen it or have you seen of it? I know about it, but again, not it, not my cup of tea. So this is famously his um he, he was gonna make a film for a, a Star Wars film for Disney and then they they bumped him off and he not killed him, but they <laughs> they they got rid of him and he said, I'm just gonna make it anyway, but decided to not change anything about it. So it still feels like a Star Wars film. He still It has- sounds like a Star Wars film. Only like a Star Wars film made now, aka really bad. Mm. Um, and it's it, it's just so it's it's disappointing in a way where you every scene you go, this could have been just this one scene could have been better. You could have done this. Uh, and halfway again, halfway through, just when you think you can't take any more, Charlie Hunnam tends up with an Irish accent. Oh God. And that feels like a kick to... I feel like that's the worst thing that's happened to Ireland in history. (laughs) Charlie Hunnam's accent. Charlie Hunnam's accent in Rebel Moon feels like his accent coach either hates Charlie Hunnam, hates Ireland, or hates both of them. Is it better or worse than Gerard Butler's in... P.S. I love you. No, P.S. I love you. P.S. I love you, yeah. P.S. I love you is the follow-up where she's just (laughs) talking to the cops. No, I think I I forgive Joe Butler because he's Scottish. So so I think like when Scottish people do Irish, they go, ah, fuck it. It's kind of the same. Like, American won't tell. Uh, (laughs) Like when Connery does Irish, he's like, ah, it be it. Or when Connery does Russian. Yeah, just a few good crack. (laughs) (laughs) And A's. Yeah, so that was that was um, that was, the, and also another thing that he's done, where you get this more with the streamers, is he's gone. Oh, the, there will be a, a longer cut that's an R rating, and like, well, don't do that because if you're making a film and whilst you're shooting a film, you'll you've got an eye on going. We can make this a PG thirteen and an R rating. It means you're not, you know, they did it with Die Hard Four when Die Hard Four was made, and they went, 
we won't shoot any practical squibs on the shoots. And then that way, when we release the DVD, we can have like blood coming out of people getting shot. But when we put it in theaters, there'll be no blood. And it's like, is that, you know, would Kubrick have done that? <laughs> I'm sure that's the, what Die Hard 4 was saying. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> on cinematic par with Stanley Kubrick film. All right, all right. We'll leave the negative zone so that we can get yeah. into our into our biggie. Uh, we'll, do, we'll do our top threes of the okay. year. Do you want so, to do first? Yeah, and number three, I've done poor things, which I know hasn't. Which I haven't fucking seen. Which hasn't come out in the UK. <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm glad that that's in there then. So this is really yeah. a good film, yeah. Yeah, it's very. It's kind of a bit like Saltburn in the way that it's very sensory overload. Yeah, everything's really sort of stimulating and aesthetically pleasing to look at. Um, but it's just again, it's also it's very funny. I think Emma Stone is absolutely hilarious in it she's someone that very honors her like she obviously came up in comedy as well but i feel like she is not you know she's not trying to (laughs) hide from it or become a serious auteur um i think she's hilarious in it i really enjoyed it my only issue is that it's the whole film is about sort of female agency and like sexual expression and stuff but it is basically a film Which written and directed by a man based on a book written by a man and it's like this really like feminist parable but um but he's like check out this bed <laughs> i guess you could say the same thing about salt burn it's like do we really need to always be the exact thing that we're making a film about you know but yeah i think that's really fun i i don't know if you've seen much of like yugos lamp for moss's other films uh, did he do Cars 2? <laughs> you know he did Cars 3. Um, <laughs> oh, that's the one where it's like World War. Isn't there a spy in Cars 3? Is there? The, I don't I realize it. In Cars 3, I think there's a spy because there's a, like an online thing which said that meant that there's like one car that fought in World War 2. And it's like if, if there was a World War 2 in the Cars universe, that means there's a Cars Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> And it, it means that, like, from stuff that happens, it's like there was a Cars 911, which means the planes were sentient in Cars 911. <laughs> so the Cars universe is all going all down a wormhole. That's a whole episode, right? There. Yeah. Um, um, but, but yeah, sorry, go on. So uh, you're I was going to say, I preferred it because he did like The Favourite and The Lobster, and I kind of found those films a bit sort of, I don't know, just quite a bit cold and you're not really sort of there wasn't a lot of feeling in there and I I love I love my feeling as you'll see from the rest of my films in this selection but yeah I really enjoyed it I yeah I feel like it. he makes films where you turn it off and go that was really well made that was good yes yeah and yeah, then yeah. you you will never watch it again yeah well that's 100% it but then I think this film actually is just so enjoyable and entertaining yeah. and really like weirdly quite gripping and moving at the same time so Oh, that's good. I was hoping, kind of looking at his back catalog, that there would be a bit more heart. Yeah. And I think it's impossible to not have, a, like Emma Stone kind of brings that where she might have a cold director, like even La La Land, which isn't, it's kind of the cold side of what is a, a rom-com. Mm. It's, the, it's the, no, you can't follow your dreams. Yeah, either follow your dreams or be in love. You can't have both. <laughs> but she kind of brought the heart to that um so that's good that's good that's good and uh, yeah. what have you got what a number two is anatomy of a fool oh 
Have you seen that? I haven't, uh, but I know enough about kind of... Okay. It's all about the French legal system and... Yeah, it's basically about this German author living in France whose husband is found dead sort of outside their home and it seems like he's fallen from like the roof or something um and it's basically about her trial and like most of it's set in the courtroom and yeah the the french legal system is wild (laughs) it's just so weird they're all sat like round like a it's like there's no jury jury it's just like people sat around like it's like a town hall meeting Mm. or something and it's very theatrical and everyone's sort of playing to up to the audiences and stuff it's yeah if she loses she gets guillotined (laughs) and then napoleon (laughs) and he does his meet 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 (laughs) yeah it all exists in the same universe Um, true story though isn't it i don't think it is oh oh and oh maybe it is no i don't i don't mean napoleon turning up is a true story no it's not i don't think anatomy of ford is based off a real story Oh, well, then I'm not going. <laughs> as soon as I found out the Avengers uh, wasn't based on a true story. <laughs> you lost interest. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think I just thought... it's. I think it's quite hard to make films where it's just people in a room sort of talking that powerful, but it's the kind of film... That is quite a long film, but I allow it. It's like two and a half hours, but it's so gripping like it's really sort of you're catching your breath mm. for like 10 minutes you're just sort of like on the edge of your seat like the scenes are just done so well and I think it really explores the way women are still yeah, they're still much prejudiced in like the legal system <laughs> in, yeah I just thought yeah. it's a great film no I'm, uh, that's on my list of kind of when I've got a bit of downtime to get through and that was your number two did you say Yes, and then number one is Past Lives, of course. Oh, yes. Again, another one that I haven't seen because it's a drama, a comedy oh, comedy Davey. drama. <laughs> uh, about re- relationships. Ugh. So how many explosions are in Past Lives? <laughs> Depends if you define a heartbreak as an explosion. <laughs> oh, that feels like one of your old Facebook statuses. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting that that past lives and anatomy before i guess are sort of counted as non-english language films i mean they have english in them but they're also partly in another language is this your so i don't know i guess people... it's like really like cultured and like <laughs> high art um but yeah past lives is just incredible and this is what it i mean is, i love a film um, that's going to make me feel everything korean yeah well it's about like a korean i guess she's canadian that she she like is born in Korea and then she moves to Canada and then she moves to America and it sort of follows her through those three different um lives and it's about a childhood friend that sort of comes back in her life and exploring what could have been and so basically yeah all of my Facebook statuses rolled into <laughs> <laughs> one film yeah this uh, I've heard about this and I think one of the most interesting things is how uh, if this had been like an American movie, uh, the thing, the choices that would have been made, like her husband in it or her her partner in it, would have been like a dick, and there'd be red mm. flags, and it, there'd be a lot more kind of maybe slapstick or awkwardness yeah. thrown in. But it's just a very real kind of 
we all have to make these choices when we're going through and then yeah like he's you still kind of like feel for you you feel for the husband as well and I think he's very understanding about the situation and yeah she's peaceful it would have been a a lot if the husband had been played by James Marsden, it would have been a giveaway because he is the, the, <laughs> the biggest cook in cinema. <laughs> that poor guy. He gets cooked every time. I know. Yeah, I'm I, I'm all here for like the online discourse. It's like, why is James Marsden not one of Hollywood's leading men? I think he's... Did you watch Jury Duty? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. yeah. I think he, maybe he's, he's too funny to be uh, like... From the outside, he's quite bland. But then also, he's got that Sonic, that Sonic uh, money. Yeah. He's doing okay. Yeah, I suppose that's what he always dreamed of. <laughs> but it's weird that he left. He left the X Men franchise uh, at number three, uh, where you know Hugh Jackman is clearly gonna have sex with his missus to then go do Superman Returns, where Superman is 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 trying to take his missus. <laughs> And he was obviously in the notebook. Yeah. The original, <laughs> the original cuck. Yeah, Captain Cook. <laughs> uh, well, should we do my three then? Yes, go on. Um, so I had, I had some very commercial runners up on this. So my, I'd say my, my five and four would have been... You didn't um, ask me for my five and four. Well, that's because I knew you'd struggle. I've got, I've got <laughs> a top five. Have you, have you got a five and four? <laughs> go on then. Go on then. My five was Barbie. Okay, yeah. Um, and my four was Saltburn. Oh, all right. well, we've covered Saltburn, but we can do okay. Barbie because uh, maybe Barbie does show up somewhere in mine. Oh. Bar- Barbie was – this is great because it was <laughs> – on the, on the one hand, it's not part of a franchise, but it's not like you can't say Barbie's not an existing IP. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's been a little- a lot of debate because when Barbenheimer came out, everyone was like, "Yeah, original stories. Everyone wants original stories." But it's like, I mean, Barbie's based on like a billion dollars, yeah. <laughs> one of the most famous stars of all time. But and I feel like we all, when it did so well, every single person who knows a little bit about film went, "The studios are going to take the wrong message from this, aren't they? They're not mm. going to say, let's give these existing IPs to interested filmmakers and let them do what they want. They're going to go." Oh, people want more toys. Okay, Cabbage Patch Kids. Let's... Yeah. Well, there's an Uno film coming out, isn't there, or something? It's like Mattel, who owns Barbie, is now creating this whole like universe. Yeah. And it's just going to be really depressing. Um, but I, I think Barbie, I, I found myself really, really laughing. And one thing I've said to a lot of people is, um, like, Ryan Gosling has been plaudited for his his performance in a film full of, you know, great female performances. <laughs> but I think it's it just, exactly what I think everyone should take away from that. Well, I, I think it just goes to show how kind of, um, how modest um, Margot Robbie was as a producer yeah. to go, to not go, hang on, he's, we're checking the dailies here and he's fucking stealing this. She yeah. went, she actually saw, oh, this is great. I'll play the straight man to him doing all this insane shit and still shine like it's not like you can say margot robbie's boring in it it's definitely her film you kind of need her to be the straight man as you yeah and also she is the producer so i think that one point whatever billion box office i don't think she's exactly (laughs) crying about everyone saying how funny ryan gosling is i think she's doing just fine 
he had, obviously a lot of people talking about Gosling and forgetting that what she pulled off in that is she she has to do incredibly naive without playing dumb. Mm. And it would have been so easy and so slapsticky and so she could have fallen back on some real funny moments if she'd gone, okay, and she's stupid. But she went, mm. no, 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 she she's she's smart to the capability of what someone raised in this world would be. Yeah. She says some very it's like you know they often have those like dumb characters that end up saying all these profound things. <laughs> I guess she kind of has a bit of that as well, but I hear what you think. Yeah. You, do you mean like the Sphinx in Gone in 60 Seconds? <laughs> <laughs> uh, played by former footballer Vinnie Jones. That's exactly the, the archetype you Yeah, about, I think yeah. that's what Greta Gerwig was thinking <laughs> of when she's writing the script. All right, so, well, my number one actually on my list was uh, the entire Barbenheimer experience. Because uh, uh. did you do did you do them back to front as you should do? I didn't. I did... I did them a couple of weeks apart. I would have loved to have done Barbenheimer together, but it was so, a lot of time. It's like eight hours. It was it was really exciting. Eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you were incorporating adverts and like meals and <laughs> the five hour barbecue. <laughs> well, this because obviously I get excited going to the cinema. I assume you do as well. Yeah. And it it was great to see the normies, the plebs out there. Yeah. Also experienced that, like the cinema I went to, they had the huge Barbie, like as, as if it box. was a toy. Yeah, where people yeah. would go in and get pictures, and people were dressing up. Um, so I, I dressed up for it. I went as Oppenheimer, so I was smoking a cigarette the whole time, uh, and cheating on my missus while I was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it 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 was exciting to see kind of a film event, um, that wasn't just. Also, to you know, Oppenheimer's quite a serious film. Yeah. Do you think it would have done anywhere near as well as it did if it didn't have? No, I, <laughs> I think Oppenheimer. I'm a really, really uh, lots of yeah, think. yeah. But also, I'd I'd say Oppenheimer's probably my favourite film of this year. But uh, just because I was going into that as well off the back of Hate and Tenet, I, I really was disappointed by Tenet, mm. um, and I. I was kind of moving away from Nolan. I was like, oh, okay, Chris, we get it. You know, when he did his his Dunkirk movie and he went, I'm not going to tell a straight movie. I'm going to play with time again. Ooh. <laughs> like, How's about we just respect them soldiers, Chris, and tell their story. And so <laughs> going into this, as, and when I saw that he was like, oh, some of these bits are going to be black and white and that's going to be a different time. And then I was like, oh, no, this is actually important how he's doing it. And yeah. I thought the editing, because Oppenheimer's what? seven hours long <laughs> the the editing of the first hour is so frenetic that you don't have that like the yawn that you did you know killers of the fire moon you did feel the pace whereas with oppenheimer, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Thought, well, there's so much story in oppenheimer whereas it felt sometimes in killers of the flower moon it was being things were being dragged out whereas in oppenheimer it felt like thing, there was always something happening and then another thing happening it felt it did keep you on your toes how did you feel about the last 45 minutes? Did you like the black and white? Yeah, no, I really liked it. Oh, I think it was it was brave of him to, and I think a, a, another director, a much multi-director, would have him, he didn't feel that guilty about all these Japanese people that died. That was the thing. He, he, he felt like guilty on a global scale of like, this is the next step for humanity. But it, all you had was that one scene where he's, 
congratulating his crew and but really he can see like people on fire Mm. But it's not him, you know, going home and drinking and being like, "Oh no, what have I?" It doesn't become maudlin, um, and it, it stays. It stays interesting even afterwards. And I was wondering because I was like, "He's he's he's made this thing a spectacle, and everyone's like, you have to see it in IMAX." And what you have to see in IMAX is a bomb going off nowhere. It's a practice bomb, <laughs> but then. That then will go on to you know when we see spectacles because it has no real world implication you know you see yeah. see Godzilla destroying you know Tokyo or New York you're like oh this is exciting isn't it but but isn't Godzilla actually a metaphor for the atomic bomb he is yeah, <laughs> yeah but he's a metaphor he's not he's not the real atomic yeah, bomb true, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I thought he just handled it really well and especially since Nolan kind of sometimes can do his, oh, look at me, filmmaking, or aren't I smart filmmaking. Uh, yeah. And it was it was really character-led, which, again, he, he sometimes can make, like, shallow. Pretty much every Christopher Nolan uh, main character is just Christopher Nolan. <laughs> you know, he, he, yeah. he, he dresses DiCaprio as him in <laughs> Inception. You're like, oh, okay, Chris, all right, we get it. You've got some, got some daddy issues, have you, Chris? Big time, yeah. Uh, so I've got that. Uh, we've already talked to talk to me. I've, I've got to talk to me as my number three. Oh wow! Just because okay. of how surprised I was with like the creativity yeah. and the, the use of the budget, um, and it's always good to it's good to have a horror film that gives you a totally fuck moment halfway through, and like it, it does have a great opening scene. But I think when you see him, a guy try to pluck out his own eye, oh my god! Yes, yeah, that whole scene is just it's so horrible but it's not like the gratuitous yeah. violence you often get in these films like it felt yeah very creative what i liked about that scene is they've already shown you a lot of possessions going up to that so you're like oh something's gonna go wrong but this isn't uh this isn't a saw movie they're not doing gore mm. so in terms of that level of like stimuli i'm pretty safe and then they go no 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 here's a guy trying to pluck out his own eye <laughs> And make out with a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that dog bit's really got to you. Yeah, really. <laughs> I can't tell you. Yeah. Um, and my my other my other in my top three, uh, Rylane. Oh, of course, yes. Absolutely, Absolutely loved Rylane. Yeah, um, that was great. Because I think like uh, rom coms are in a real dangerous place right now. That doesn't seem to. They either Amazon Prime are putting out like kind of dog shit rom-coms where they've let AI do the script. <laughs> or, I mean, I don't know, you're, you're a bit younger than me, so you you, you went there in the, the 90s when we had all these great, you know, J-Lo and Julia Roberts. Uh, you, you'd go to the cinema to watch a Julia Roberts rom-com. Yeah. And now I don't think that would happen. People don't really go to the cinema to watch. I don't even think Rylane did that well at the box office, but I think everyone I spoke to that saw it absolutely loved it. No, I think with rom-coms, at least you're you're safe enough that you can keep that budget low enough that it can still turn a profit. Like, I think it was still a success. You're right. It wasn't, you know, it didn't do, you know, 500 million, but it was successful enough. And it, it went really quickly to Disney Plus as well, which meant people mm. could catch it. And I think they really kind of spotlight it on Disney Plus as well as like, this is up here now. I also think 
my friend saw it recently and she was like, I don't really get the hype. Like, I didn't really do anything special. But I kind of felt like that was the point. Like, that's the point of a rom-com. You don't need to do anything <laughs> special and unique about it. I think people try too hard to put a twist on it. Obviously, it's it's refreshing, but it's mm. still your real classic rom-com. But it's just sort of been told in, like, a really up-to-date, like, it felt like an actual mm. authentically modern rom-com. Well, it was, there was a couple of, I think, like, the way it was directed was like it was frenetic but not distractingly so it, kind of, mm. it reminded me of the the elements of Baz Luhrmann that I like where yeah I was like this is someone awake you know you're getting those great and real kind of, wide shots yeah they did like some really good fish eye angle fish, fish yeah uh, shots as well um but again yeah it wasn't distracting and also it felt British it felt really British like at one point she talked about getting over uh her breakup by crying into a greg sausage roll <laughs> does that that ring a few bells with you <laughs> uh, i'm more of a steak bake man myself uh, I thought had, the cameos in it are so good yeah fucking colin fair i know <laughs> but also like Munya chihuahua and it's like it sort of had this real sort of broad sweeping it was like hitting all the sort of age demographics yeah with cameos and it was just really, really sweet characters. Um, and, yeah, really likable. Actually, had... some fun facts about <laughs> Rylane. Um, it was originally meant to be set in North London. Did you know that? Oh, but it's still called Rylane. <laughs> and it, no, it's meant to be called Vibes and Stuff. I hate that. I absolutely hate <laughs> and that. And then the director, because the director didn't write it, but she came along and was like, I want to set it in South London, and I'm changing the name because this is a break. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, it wasn't like white people originally, was it? Someone no, like, I've written another white white was it Richard Curtis? And he was like, wait, 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 wait. what are all these black people doing in London? No. <laughs> oh, there we go. That's a good one. Oh, so so there's our um there's our top topics of the year. Uh before we go then, I've got so we've been applying uh, these to individual movies, these the criteria for what makes a great film, but I thought mm. we'll try and apply them to kind of any of the the films that we've seen this year. Okay. Uh, so don't worry if you haven't you haven't got any. Um, but so does anyone have iconic hair that transcends time in any of the films this year? I've got mine. Have you have you got one for that? Uh, no, I only came up with three of them. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I've got Ryan Gosling, Frosted Tips and Barbie. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think we're going to see a lot of next Halloween, maybe. Oh, well, this Halloween there was a lot, wasn't there? You could also say also the Megan doll, the Platts. Nice, yes, That's yeah, quite a classic one. Yeah, because it was kind of it was simple, but it was it was. I did. I, we didn't mention Megan, but I was Megan was one that I was happy. What well, that was a PG thirteen and just about like fifteen over. Yeah, here, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think tonally that was spot on. It didn't need to be too dark. No. And it kind of just also showed, like, the power. I mean, so many of these films just show the power of, like, meme movies. Yeah, I mean, that was... <laughs> like, like Barbenheimer in itself is just, like, a meme. Like, that's why so many yeah. people went. It just... It's quite mad. But, like, yeah, I think a lot of Megan's successes. And it's because, again, the same with Barbenheimer, it's naturally happening stuff. It's not... Yeah. The marketing team... The, no marketing team. Like, they even asked Barbie to move, didn't they? The producer yeah, of yeah, yeah. So no one came up with this. This is just the internet on its own doing like crazy stuff. And the Megan, the TikTok dance, they didn't, they didn't know that that was going to be so big on TikTok. Yeah. Um, maybe I should, 
Maybe I should do that next year, the best meme of the year. Uh, question two, is there a scene where Chogan and Guinness would help? I put the Trinity test in all the time. <laughs> <laughs> if they all have a Guinness. <laughs> Bit of Dutch carriage. Yeah. I've got um, any moment in the errors uh, documentary, in Taylor Swift's errors. So <laughs> if she'd just finished the song and absolutely smashed a Guinness. Yeah. Um, that would be good. Uh, I think we know we know what this one's going to be. Is there a sexy sex scene or what was the sexy sex scene? It's, it's, oh, what do? We, oh, are you going to say something in Saltburn? I mean, the bathtub, the bathtub drinking cum is iconic. We've already mentioned it five yeah. times. We also got Napoleon. Napoleon's got some great sex scenes. Yes, because <laughs> uh, um, Vanessa Kirby just seems so disinterested in a way that you know most men are used to now. Uh, it's, it's not that kind of rock, you know, especially with it being a period movie as well. It's not that like, oh, darling, come to bed and take me. It's, it's, it's me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and Nolan having a great old laugh with um, having uh, having Oppenheimer say, I am become deaf just as he comes, pretty much. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that sex scene where they're having sex, Florence Pugh in, um. Killian Murphy are having sex in the while well, he's doing the hearing. Yeah, that, I mean that was pretty. That was pretty bold. Yeah. Well, we know how much Christopher Nolan loves his <laughs> female character. <laughs> okay, now if you can do this, but you're naked, uh, great. Florence, <laughs> we've got strip away any like three dimensionality yeah. from your character. And then this is the bit where we kill you in the bath. Okay, cheers, Florence. Uh, that's a wrap. <laughs> What what else did you have? Did you have any other sexy sex scenes? No, I haven't seen it, and but I have heard that the sex scenes in All of the Strangers are meant to be absolutely incredible. Andrew Scott and Paul Mescal. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so, uh, I think the the world has been crying out for uh, Andrew Scott sex scenes for a while, yeah. haven't they? And with Paul so, Mescal as well. So I think that's going to be quite a dream combo. But yeah. So does that end with he takes Andrew Scott on a walk in the park and then runs off on it? <laughs> <He runs> away. <laughs> um, I've got, is the room for the throat rip from Roadhouse? I didn't get this one. Do I need to explain what Roadhouse is to you? <laughs> I know the film more from, don't they always quote it in Family Guy? Yeah, so in Roadhouse, <laughs> there is a, there's a scene where Patrick Swayze goes up against the kind of guy he's been going up against the whole film. And they've been making jokes about how they heard he once ripped the guy's throat out and he actually does it to this guy. He just takes his hand and he rips the guy's throat out. It's really quick. Um, but I just think any film could be improved with that. So, so I've got I've got Anatomy of a Fall. <laughs> <laughs> I think like that would have made the, the case more interesting if they gone, oh, actually, uh, we checked. He's had his throat ripped out as well. <laughs> Uh, right, absolute banger! What's what's a great song or a great needle drop that happened? Uh, I this year? obviously went for the last scene in Saltburn. Oh yeah, a murder on the dance floor. Murder on the dance floor. Yeah. Well, you get to see Barry by Keegan, 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 Keegan. I think that it's actually meant to be pronounced Keoin, but even Keoin. he says Keegan, and he's like, "Oh, I'm pronouncing it wrong." <laughs> well, yeah, so we're, we're all off the hook. I think that can, that falls into iconic now his his dance around nature yeah i think that's gonna be um well i've got kind of runner up though titanium and megan that was oh god yeah that was pretty good 
Is it, didn't she, isn't she singing it just before she goes to bed? Yeah, something? it's really creepy. <laughs> yeah, like, I started doing that to my boyfriend before. I don't. Did you see the creator? No, I actually heard it was quite good. I enjoyed it. It's it, marketed so badly. It's kind of simple in its storytelling, but it, it's. Uh, I think it, I think it's Gareth Evans, but it. He, he's someone who understands CGI and special effects. So he can do, I think it was like 80 million budget and it looks better than any of these $200 million films because he knows to shoot early to give the effects team long enough and he knows exactly what he wants. He's not coming in halfway through the shoot going, we've changed that. Mm. Um, so that has uh, Radiohead, everything in its right place starts playing, which just kind of sets the tone for, oh, this is what, this is how the film's going to feel. Um, and my number one coming back, it's my guys at Rye Lane doing Shoop by Salt and Pepper. Oh, uh, yeah, the karaoke, yeah, the karaoke scene. Also, another fun fact okay. <laughs> they tried to get James Blunt to do a cameo in that film where he was going to sing um, You're Beautiful at karaoke, but he said no. Oh, Blunt, he's normally more interested. I know, he's normally so like self deprecating, but wow. well, maybe that was one step too far. Fuck, fuck you, James Blunt, I think, <laughs> is what we're, we're ending this on. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the message. Of well, I think all in all, it's been a good year. Yeah, I think definitely very strong year. All right. Well, I hope you have a wonderful 2024, Ellie. Before you go, have you got anything that you want to promote or um, um, tell people about? I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to be on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm accepting my Gen Z. <laughs> um standing but yeah i tried to post some like film and um award season stuff like edu- like educational reviews sort of yeah journalism stuff on there so you can you've, follow you've me made that, that sound really exciting as well yeah. <laughs> this is basically me actually knowing what i'm talking about so uh, hey, you, you interview celebrities sometimes as well don't you, you get that i do as well that's on my that's my work account screen screen daily so if you follow screen daily on tiktok you can see some fun stuff on there ah fuck that let's go your personal what was, what was <laughs> sorry personal was at ellie cowden so there we go right uh well cheers ellie uh you have a fantastic 2024 and you okay and let me know if you see past lives i will i'm gonna go back to it <laughs> as soon as i can okay <laughs> All right, cheers, mate. Bye. All right, bye.